Well, since Bob and Heidi are here, we can start. <laughs> I saw them in the parking lot and I said, hey, we're actually going to be here for the entire service this morning. I said, not if you don't hurry. Get in there. Beat me in there. <sighs> Feels good to be back. Feels like I've been gone forever. Just, you know, missing church last week for the ice storm that wasn't. And uh, yeah, we had church at our house. You know, had a good time. We were going to get together with the the, uh, the other Ottawa folk, but uh, uh, then we had sick children all of a sudden. So we didn't do. And then Wednesday, I was so looking forward to church, and Mike and I got stuck working till 7:45 in the evening on a thing that had to get done that day. So I kind of hated myself by then, by the end of the day. And everybody else, and uh, but you know, here we are. Friday night, I was like, I am going to prayer. That is all there is to it. <laughs> like I am going. You know, Mama, don't go. Ain't gonna hinder me. I'm going. So, Jesus, we just thank you. We praise you for uh, this place to gather with your people. Uh, we praise you for your your presence touching us. Your your word. Uh, coming to us and, and feeding our souls. And God, this morning what we pray is that You would minister to our needs. God, that You would gather up my thoughts, Lord God, and and uh, say the things that You want to say. And, and, and that in this place this morning, You'd have liberty to do the things that You want to do. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Amen. <sighs> Had a great time last night and... Uh, my old stomping grounds, throwing down some music in Baldwin it was, it was a blessing. Yeah. <clears throat> uh, I appreciate all the uh, chapel folk came out. Otherwise, there would have been like six of us there. So, <laughs> uh, well, you know, I saw this one guy come in, and uh, it's still about half an hour till the concert started, and there weren't really any people there. He's kind of looked around a little bit and left. So, you know, I think. Uh, I think, you know, I could identify with that sense of, uh, there's not very many people here. Maybe I'll just go. I don't know if I want to be like the one person at the end of every song. <laughs> when the when the musicians outnumber the audience, then it's kind of how it used to be around here. <coughs> uh, so anyway, uh, go with me to Psalm 45. <coughs> Excuse me, sorry. Um, and so, if your Bible is like mine, then uh, the heading will say a royal wedding song here. And, uh, and I think it's a it's a precious uh, psalm. <coughs> uh, and I'll probably just go ahead and start at the beginning. Uh, my heart is indicting a good matter. Indicting is one of those words that uh, we've kind of uh, mean something other than what it used to mean. Um, I mean, because it's always it has this kind of sense of calling somebody out. You know, of course we use it in a legal sense now to accuse somebody of a crime, that kind of thing. But uh, um, it's like the the sense of the word here is like this bubbling up. Like I'm, I'm, I've got something I have to say. 
So it says that my heart is, is indicting a good matter. If you've ever walked away from a, a, a pan of boiling water on the stove uh, and then came back to it right as it was uh, bubbling over, you know, there's not really much stopping it. So uh, all the, you know, you can pick it up and, uh, and go, dang it, but it doesn't really stop. So, uh, you know, so, you know, so this person is saying, you know, it's like I've really got something uh, good that I want to say and, and I, I can't hold it in. I speak of the things which I've made touching the king. My tongue is the pen of a ready writer. Thou art fairer than the children of men. Grace is poured into thy lips, and therefore God has blessed thee forever. So we're talking about Christ. Indeed, he is fairer than the children of men. Uh, gird thy sword upon thy thigh, O most mighty, with thy glory and thy majesty. And in thy majesty ride prosperously because of truth and meekness and righteousness, and thy right hand shall teach thee terrible things. Thine arrows are sharp in the heart of the king's enemies, whereby the people fall under thee. Um, that little passage is reminiscent of uh, uh, Revelation 19, where it talks about uh, him riding forth uh, um, with uh, a sword coming out of his mouth, and uh, a name written that no man knew but he himself. And because uh, it talks about a lot of these same kind of things, but I love this how it says that, uh, uh, that in His Majesty he rides prosperously because of truth and meekness and righteousness. You know, uh, we don't always put meekness with uh, any other good qualities. <laughs> it's like, look at me, I got this all together. Not so much meek, you know, and uh, that's a precious thing that the 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 meekness that he has. <clears throat> thy throne, O God, is forever and ever. And the scepter of thy kingdom is a right scepter. And that's a relief, you know, if you've read the news at all this weekend, that, that his throne is forever and ever. You know, I, I have learned to stay away from the news, but every now and then I like to kind of just put my periscope up and see what's out there. And uh, it's never any good. <laughs> it's like, like, oh, well... That's great. We had lunch with my family yesterday, and uh, we were talking about all the protests and stuff, and how how childish it really is. I mean, yes, it's you know your right as an American citizen to go you know walk down the middle of the street and complain that you don't like the president, but what does it accomplish? You know, nothing at all. It's like you know my my kids protest sometimes. But it doesn't really change anything. My my word is still law. And so, even when Zoe bats her eyes at me. <laughs> yes, I'm talking about you. <laughs> I know. Yeah. So, you know, much like the protesters, she's also, you know, she uh, then she goes for the feisty things, you know. It's like, I'm going to be, I'm going to be tough and I'm going to, I'm going to be vocal here. Still doesn't work, but uh, anyway. All right. So, oh, thy throne, O oh God, is forever and ever, and the scepter of your kingdom is a right scepter. Thou lovest righteousness and hate wickedness. Therefore, God, thy God, has anointed thee with the oil of gladness above thy fellows, and all thy garments smell of myrrh, and aloes, and cassia, 
out of the ivory palaces whereby they had made thee glad. I think that's precious that it says that, uh, because we're still talking to Christ here, and he says that, that he's been anointed with the oil of gladness. And, uh, uh, you know, Isaiah said that, uh, that he was a man of sorrows, and that we esteemed him, you know, stricken and, and afflicted of God. But here it says that he's been anointed with the oil of gladness. So it's an interesting, um, contrast. But that, uh, but that, that love, that this whole thing is focusing in on is is the difference, because it's uh, <clears throat> not not so bad. Uh, you know, love makes things not not so bad as as it could be. Um, you know, uh, I was there when my children were born, and uh, it's a difficult experience. But in the end, um, the uh, the love far outweighs those things, and then it's just kind of a memory and. Uh, and if you're like me, then you have a fun story about how you passed out in the delivery room when your one of your kids was born. And I'll tell you about that later if you haven't heard it. It's not like it sounds, but I did indeed pass out. Um, King's daughters were among thy honorable women, and upon the right, thy right hand did stand the queen in gold of Ophir. Hearken, O daughter, and consider, and incline thy ear. Forget also thine own people and thy father's house, and so shall the king greatly desire thy beauty, for he is thy Lord, and worship thou him. And that's really where I wanted to get to. But because the rest of this is great, I'm going to read it anyway, and I'll come back to that. The daughter of Tyre shall be there with a gift. Even the rich among the people shall entreat thy favor. And so it's like we're talking about this it's like we're talking to somebody who's getting ready to marry this this awesome king here that we're talking about. It says, The king's daughter is all glorious within, and her clothing is of wrought gold. She should be brought unto the king in raiment of needlework. The virgins, her companions that follow her, shall be brought to thee. With gladness and rejoicing shall they be brought, and they shall enter into the king's palace. And instead of thy father shall be thy children, whom thou mayest make princes in all the earth. And I'll make thy name to be remembered in all generations. And therefore, shall the people praise thee forever and ever. So, that's a great thing because we do come before God with gladness and rejoicing. And uh, the thing I, I really wanted to focus on here is 10 and 11. Now he says, Hearken, O daughter, and consider, and incline thine ear. Forget also thine own people and thy father's house. And so shall the king greatly desire your beauty. <coughs> And for he is thy Lord, worship thou him. Go with me to Deuteronomy 21. This is going to be an interesting thing to consider here in the uh, 21st century. Because <clears throat> uh, our culture is so different now. can't exactly just see some girl, think she's pretty, and carry her off. There were times I kind of wished you could when I was a teenager because I thought that's probably about my best chance. <laughs> so once I found one, I made sure she didn't get away. But uh, So here in, uh, in Deuteronomy 10, uh, 21, verse 10, When you go forth to war against your enemies, 
and the Lord your God has delivered them into your hands, and you've taken them captive. And you see among the captives a beautiful woman, and hast a desire unto her that you would have her to wife. And thou shalt bring her home to thine house. She shall shave her head, she shall pare her nails, she shall put the raiment of her captivity from off of her. She shall remain in your house and bewail her father and mother for a full month. And after that, thou shalt go in unto her and be her husband. She should be thy wife. So that's an interesting uh, passage. It doesn't really work like that anymore. All the women are breathing a sigh of relief. Like, that's right, it don't. It's, uh, <laughs> like, you better have a good job and not be living in your mom's basement. Throw that out there. Um, so these are people that aren't part of the kingdom then that he's talking about. This isn't, you know, you, uh, you know, you're, you know, say you're from the tribe of uh, Asher and you you went over to the uh, where Gad's people are at and see this pretty girl. This isn't talking about that. This is you went out to war and you conquered your enemies and you see among them this pretty girl. Uh, which is this is a dangerous kind of thing because this was sort of always a problem for Israel was finding these pretty girls that that uh, created problems for them. But he says, uh, but he says, you know, you see her and you'd like to have her for your wife. He said you bring her home to your house, and you shave her head and pare her nails and put her raiment of her captivity from off of her. So, so you bring her home. You know, and this, you know, everybody always jokes around about how you should get a year off when you get married because you need to cheer up your wife. And I think this is why, because you need to convince her this is not going to be so bad. <clears throat> Maybe that's why Cynthia has been teasing me about that for the last 18 years. She still needs some convincing this isn't so bad. But, uh. <laughs> <laughs> What's that? Okay, well. Yes, when uh, when we were quite literally teenagers, uh, right after we got married, uh, she'd always tell me that uh, I didn't need to go to work, that we could live on air and love. <laughs> like, yeah, it's going to get cold in here, though. <laughs> and, uh, you know, eventually we're going to get hungry. And, uh, you know, it's not going to be so comfortable if we end up living in a box under a bridge. So I should probably go to work. Of course, back then, I mean, would cost about the same to live under a bridge. Would have been pretty equivalent to where we lived anyway. But <laughs> no, 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 no. Actually, um, I, I often think when I'm feeling grabby about something that I wish I had, and uh, I, I think about. Um, at the the brokest, lowest place I've ever been, I still lived like a king compared to a lot of God's people, and uh, and so then and then I look at where I where I am and I think, wow, it's like what have I possibly got to complain about? But uh, anyway, so so he's talking about this woman then that's not part of the kingdom, but you're going to bring her home and she's going to become your wife. So of necessity. She's going to have to be part of the kingdom. And so the first thing he says you're going to do is shave her head. And so there's this sense of we're going to take this old covering away. This Because a woman's hair is given to her for a covering and it's glory to her and all this stuff. 
but but it's it's from some other kingdom. It's from some other place, and so we're gonna we're gonna shave it off. We're gonna start over again, and and we're gonna have this this righteous covering uh, that that would make her a part of this kingdom. <clears throat> and I don't really know what it, what it would do. You know what this thing about paring your nails would be. I I looked at it and studied it, and it, about the best I could figure is that she's just going to fix them up, and make them look pretty. But you know, nothing nothing quite you know. Uh, boost your esteem than to uh, fix up and paint up and so forth and so on. <sighs> I know uh, there's nothing quite like uh, coming in looking all raggedy and and then uh, you know dirty. Take a shower and you get all fixed up and it's like ah it's shining up pretty good. <laughs> uh, and this makes you feel better about yourself, you know. But <clears throat> so she's gonna shave her head then and. Uh, and, and get rid of, of this old covering. And she put off the raiment of her captivity from her and her reign in your house. So she's going to get rid of, she's not going to dress the way she dressed before. you know. And, and I don't mean that in like a really plain kind of way. I mean this this sense of, you know, what kind of garment do you have on? You know, do you have your own righteousness? Do you have the righteousness of Christ? Which one of these things uh, are you wearing? So she's going to take this old raiment that she had. This, this is how I do things. This is how I'm okay. This is how I live life. She's going to put that off from her and <coughs> bewail her parents for a full month. And uh, so she's she's leaving her old life entirely behind, and she's not take didn't really take any of it with her. So. Over in, uh, in in the Psalms again, in Psalm 45, I want to read that again with that in mind. Because she's she's been taken from the place she grew up, and she shaved her head. And uh, I've known people who shaved their head and then kind of thought maybe that wasn't such a good idea. I've done that when I was young. I... Uh, I once, uh, you know, I, I did like the whole bowl cut thing because it was popular a long time ago. And uh, I had this brilliant idea. Why would I stop at a bowl cut when all this part that I've shaved here, I could pick it? And uh, it seemed like a really great idea. It wasn't. Um, the Friar Tuck comes to mind. Uh, <laughs> Except I was missing the bald spot here. I, I I thought that would probably be a bad idea, but uh, okay. So shaving your head can—it's a big decision. But uh, but here in Psalm 45, you know, thinking about this sense of this woman being carried away, and she's gonna change the way she dresses. She's gonna. Uh, um, you got to shave her head and all the stuff. In verse 10, it says, Hearken, O daughter, and consider, and incline your ear. Forget also your own people and your father's house. And so shall the king greatly desire your beauty, for he is thy Lord, and worship thou him. So, <clears throat> it's interesting, uh, because he's, he says, you know, you're gonna, you need to forget about the past. Forget about where you came from. Forget that old kingdom. And so shall the king greatly desire your beauty. So clearly, you know, in the in Deuteronomy where you're reading this, it's like that's kind of the thing that he he said that 
you see this woman and you, you think she's beautiful and you'd like to bring her home, uh, <clears throat> then that would be, then this is how you would do that. But it says here that the king should greatly desire your beauty. And so, but it has to do with um, putting aside the old kingdom, putting aside the old life. And, and God loves you. You know, make no mistake. And uh, and so he wants to bring you home, and he wants to have you be part of his kingdom. Uh, and the and the precious thing about this is that um, this thing that we're reading here in Deuteronomy, this this woman doesn't really have a choice in the matter. It's you know, it's kind of like, well, I can you know, I can go home with uh, uh, with the guy with the awesome beard, or I can die. <laughs> You know, it's like one or the other. It's like, you know, I don't know, depending on what he looked like. You know, weigh it out. Um, no, but um, so she didn't really have a choice in the matter. The thing here is, we have a choice in the matter. I mean, we're we're still gonna, you know, and and I think, you know, and many of us have already been to this place where we went to his house and we shaved our head. We fixed up our nails and we we put off the old garments, but it it requires a choice uh, because you can you can come stay in the house and not shave your head, and you can be wearing the old garment, but everybody can see that you still have the old you know you're still got like the dreadlocks and and the tie dye shirt on you know, and it's like well okay, so are you going to stay in the house? Or, or are you going to go somewhere else? Because he's not going to let you stay in the house if you're going to wear your own garment. And and if you're not going to let him be the, the thing that, that covers you and the thing that guides your life. Uh, go over with me to Isaiah 54. <coughs> you know... Um, I grew up in the world, of course. You know, I, I had a nice house, a nice family, you know, for the most part. I mean, I suppose I had what you could call a decent, reasonable, comfortable childhood. You know, I didn't have one of those kind of childhoods that would make you, uh, you know, want to stand at a bell tower and shoot people that look like your dad or something, you know. But, um, but I still grew up in the world, you know what I'm saying? I grew up with this. I gr- I grew up in a foreign land, you know, and uh, um, you know I have and and I've been in God's kingdom longer than I was in the world, and and looking back, the further down the road you get, the more you can see just how there was just nothing there, and and uh, so the sense of leaving your old life behind and the you know. Shaving your head and changing your clothes, you know what? What would be the big loss? And uh, uh, it'd be like Luke Skywalker deciding he's going to go with Obi Wan Kenobi because his family is dead now, so he really doesn't have anything to keep him there. Like, oh well, it'd be a fairly obvious decision to make now, if I could use that reference. Uh, here in Isaiah uh, 54. And and the reason I want to read this is because um, there's a 
you know, we're, we're talking about the sense of making a choice of where you want to be and where you want to live. Whose house do you want to be in? And the, the forgetting uh, of, of your, your father's house, not, and not, not him as the father, but forgetting where you came from. <clears throat> you know, I can tell you that, um, what's her name? Uh, Kate. I'm sure she doesn't uh, pine away for the place she grew up in. You know, I'm sure she's pretty happy where she's at. So, uh, in here in 54, it says, Sing, O barren, that did not bear. Break forth into singing and cry aloud, that did not travail a child. For more are the children of the desolate than the children of the married wife, saith the Lord. So this is kind of, this whole chapter is kind of a sense of, these are the kind of things that are waiting for you in, in His house. Enlarge the place of your tent. Let them stretch forth the curtains of your habitations. Spare not. Lengthen thy cords and strengthen thy stakes. You shall not break forth on the right hand and on the left. And thy seed shall inherit the Gentiles and make the desolate cities to be inhabited. Fear not. You shall not be ashamed. Neither be thou confounded. For you shall not be put to shame. For you shall forget the shame of your youth and not remember the reproach of your widowhood anymore. So did he really just use the word shame three times there? I mean... uh, and that's a precious thing because there's nothing quite like shame, being ashamed of something. And, uh, you know, I don't know if you, uh, you know, if, if I think we can all identify with that sense of getting either called on something that you were ashamed of or just everybody saw it or you had to uh, confess to somebody something that you were really ashamed of, that is a bad, bad feeling. And uh, and he says here, Fear not, for you shall not be ashamed. You shall not be confounded. You shall not be put to shame. And you shall forget the shame of your youth and not remember the reproach of your widowhood anymore. So he's saying, you want to come in my house? And you're not going to be ashamed here. And, and because, because you're not going to have your garment on anymore. You're going to have my garment on. You're going to have this righteousness that comes from me. You're going to be wearing that. So you're not going to need to be ashamed. You're not going to be confounded. And nobody could put you to shame. Because when they look at you, they're going to see that you got my garment on. Verse 5 says, For thy Maker is thine husband, and the Lord of hosts is his name. And thy Redeemer, the Holy One of Israel, the God of the whole earth, shall he be called. So that's a great invitation to to accept. For the Lord has called you as a woman forsaken and grieved in spirit and a wife of youth when you were refused, saith thy God. For a small moment have I forsaken thee, but with great mercies will I gather thee. In a little wrath I hid my face from thee for a moment, but with everlasting kindness will I have mercy on thee, saith the Lord thy Redeemer. That's good news. That is really, really, really good news. Because you ever... And uh, and if if this has never happened to you, I'd I'd really like to hear about it. But have you ever really, really upset somebody? 
really hurt their feelings, really just said some completely stupid thing, and and you felt ashamed and bad, and I really would like to fix this, and I want to fix it now. And so you go and you you, you know you repent to them, you you apologize. It's like, hey, I, you know, I want to I want to fix this, you know, my bad. And and it's not that they're withholding their forgiveness, but you can't just fairy dust the hurt away. And uh, it's like, oh, you know, and they're like, I don't know. There's nothing worse than not being sure if you hurt somebody's feelings and you apologize to them, and they're like, thanks. <laughs> like, well. Okay, so I did. All right, and uh, <clears throat> so that that sense of it's like you know, yes, I my I forgive you with my great magnanimousness, but I really want to talk to you right now, you know. And uh, <clears throat> you know, Cynthia and I finished raising each other, getting getting married as young as we did. Well, actually, I finished raising her. She started raising me. So, as Mark Rutland said, no matter how old a man is, he's eight. And so, we we worked on that. And there were many times, many, many, many times, where, uh, where for a small moment she forsook me, where for a in a little wrath she hid her face from me. <laughs> I was like. But I, dang it, okay, uh, you know, and, and the great thing about relationship is that love is able to get you past those moments and, and get you through those moments with everything figured out. And, uh, um, you know, I mean, the worst thing you can do with stuff like that is to just pretend it didn't happen or... You know, justify why you did what you did or whatever. If I had a dime for every argument we had like that when we were really young, I'd be a wealthy, wealthy man. But, uh, you know, it's just relationships are funny like that because men and women are so different. And I didn't grow up around any, uh, any girls at all my own age growing up, except the girls at school who did not talk to me. So... Um, I mean, I had like I had sisters. I didn't have any cousins that were my age that were that were girls, so they were an utter mystery. <laughs> and uh, I got a job in high school, and I worked around all these girls from school and got to know them a little bit. And I was surprised to find that within reason, I could talk about the same things with them that I talked about with guys. <laughs> within reason, the it's like, hey, they're people. How about that? I didn't know that. So they seemed as unapproachable as the moon to me. But um, so anyway, you know, it's a. And then and then I married one, and then I had to learn how to uh, communicate with with her, which was not as quite as simple as I had surmised that it would be. Um, and somewhere I heard somebody say something about, see, if we if we talked about it. You know, nice and plainly, then we would be communicating with words as God intended. And uh, so, but, you know, and it's not that, uh, it's not that I had some sort of market on how to communicate, some corner on the market. I, uh, you know, I, as I, as I got older, I discovered that 
uh, men and women simply communicate differently, so you have to learn to become bilingual. And, uh, and, you know, once you figure that out, it's really not so bad, you know, and, you know, if, if you've ever, if you've never listened to Try a Little Tenderness, you should, guys. Okay. That's one of my favorite songs. But anyway. Uh, so for a small moment have I forsaken thee, but with great mercies will I gather thee. In a little wrath I hid my face from thee for a moment, but with everlasting kindness will I have mercy on thee, saith the Lord thy Redeemer. So that's a that's a grand deal because um, because you can offend God and nobody likes that. And uh, the, but the the great thing is is that with His great mercy He'll gather you back up, and so He, you know, and and we know that. But it's different when you when you have that sense of He's hidden His face from me for a moment, and uh, um, or if He just happens to be quiet for a while, you know, because there might not be anything wrong at all, and maybe He's just quiet. You know, some people are like nervous chatterers like me, and I get anxious around silence with a bunch of people, so I just start talking. I know you didn't know that. And um, so, uh, you know, so when, sometimes when God is really quiet, I like to just fill the silence with me. <laughs> this would be my chance to talk, right? But... Uh, Anyway, you know, so that that mercy is always there. So it's a precious thing that he would, you know, remind us of something like that when he's talking about something as serious as did you shave your head when you came in? Did you did you change your clothes or did you not? Because you you have to make that choice if you want to stay in my house. And uh so we we all have that choice of one kingdom or another, um, and and you know and God's not gonna he's not gonna go out and capture you and and bring you home against your will and where you're going to bewail your your family and everything. You're gonna he's gonna invite you, or he did invite you, and and what he wants is for you to come willingly to his house. But but he definitely. Is going to require that that you put the past behind you. So, so I'm going to read that one more time. For a small moment have I forsaken thee, but with great mercies will I gather thee. In a little wrath I hid my face from thee for a moment, but with everlasting kindness will I have mercy on thee, saith the Lord thy Redeemer. For this is as the waters of Noah to me. For as I have sworn that the waters of Noah should no more go over the earth, so have I sworn that I would not be wroth with you nor rebuke you. For the mountains shall depart, and the hills be removed, but my kindness shall not depart from thee, neither shall the covenant of my peace be removed, saith the Lord that has mercy on thee. So I like that he talks about this covenant of peace in the context of the the things that happened with the waters of Noah. Because because he he had this reminder, he swore that he would never destroy all flesh like that again with water. And so it's like, well, if you know, if if you think if I would do that again, then the covenant of my peace could be removed. So, so he has not only brought us to his house, but his house is in Jerusalem, the the city of peace. 
and uh, you know, I have the the older I get, the more I have discovered that the real value of peace. There is nothing like peace, and it's easy to take for granted if you general have a generally peaceful life, um, where you know just your your days are are relatively comfortable and. You just kind of, you know, life is good, everything is going smooth. It's easy to take for granted that sense of peace that comes with that. And also to mistake uh, that sense of contentment that comes with um, circumstances all being how you would like them to, to be um, to be true peace and happiness. Uh, Cynthia found this great little thing that she hung up in the kitchen that says that... Um, Peace is not the absence of conflict, but the presence of God. And so so you can have peace whether or not things are going smooth around you or not. But my point is, is when you don't have peace, then you would do just about anything to get it. If you've ever had one of those restless days where you just... It's like having cabin fever. Last weekend... Like, Saturday was just a really long, long, boring day at my house. And, I mean, we had a good time, but it was just kind of, I don't know, we're anticipating this ice storm. I'm thinking, man, I'm not going to go to church tomorrow. And uh, I spend a lot of time at home now that I work there. And so the idea of going somewhere is, yes! And, uh, um... I don't know. So we're just, you know, we're sitting around the table. It's getting dark out. And Mike calls. He's like, hey, we're feeling kind of cabin feverish. We were thinking about some ice cream. It's like Dairy Queen is conveniently located about, I don't know, seven blocks down the street, maybe ten. And uh, uh, so I thought, you know, we're, we're anticipating half a inch of ice covering everything. Why? Where else would we go but ice cream? Um, but no, you know, we, so we went and had ice cream, and it was really great. Just to get out of the house, you know, but when you have cabin fever, you know, it's like, I would go grocery shopping right now just to get out of the house. Like, it's like, man, go just about anywhere I'd rather not go. But But when you have, when you don't have peace, then you feel that sense. It's like cabin fever, isn't it? It's like this antsy. I just, something doesn't feel right and just about anything that would make it right would be okay right now. And, and of course, we get that peace from Him. And so, uh, so we can be in His house and we've still got our old garment on, still got our old haircut and, uh, just be kind of wandering the house looking for that peace and not find it. And and that because without because deep down if if you ha- you know you haven't changed your clothes yet. Deep down you know you never shaved your head. And and it and you know that you should and you know that you would feel better if you did. But it, it it's it's human nature to take these things that you know would be a good idea, at least for some people, and just kind of put them off, and, you know, the longer you wait, the worse it gets, you know, like I said a few weeks ago, you know, you eat the frog all at once, you know, I stare at the frog on the plate for a while and sweat, 
but um, you know, the, and and the longer you wait, the more it feels like, well, but if if I shave my head now, everybody's going to see that I just shaved my head and I've been here for like ten years. It's like everybody's going to notice that I've got a different outfit on now. It's like, and everybody will applaud you. Everybody's like, oh, good. So glad to see that you you decided you were going to stay, because I was I was I was hoping you weren't going to leave. So so he brings us into this place where where we can really have peace. He says in eleven, O thou afflicted and tossed with temp- tempest and not comforted, behold, I will lay thy stones of fair colors and thy foundations of sapphires, and I'll make your windows of a gates, your gates of carbuncles, and the borders of pleasant stones. And all of thy children shall be taught of the Lord, and great shall be the peace of thy children. And if you don't have children, I can tell you that having your kids have peace, there is no price tag for that. And uh, you know, when when something is bothering your kids, then you're you're about getting it fixed. And when something is bothering God's kids. He is about getting it fixed. That's what I love about that song. Uh, that to fix what troubles you is what God loves to do. That's His specialty. In righteousness shall you be established. And that's great. You know, in, in righteousness, in His righteousness, shall you be established. You should be far from oppression. And you should not fear and from terror, for it shall not come near you. You know, oppression, and uh, I was telling my kids about this, you know, oppression is like being bullied. You know, and fortunately, as of yet, none of my kids have been bullied. Uh, you know, to me, that's a very, uh, a really good description of it. I got bullied a lot. And that sense of terror, when you know that somebody is after you, I uh, I definitely experienced those things growing up, but to be far from that is a really precious thing. Knowing that you have a dad that uh, is not going to just let those things happen to you, but to be far from oppression, and you shall not fear, and, and from terror it shall not come near you. Behold, they shall gather together, but not by me. Whosoever shall gather against you shall fall for your sake. So that's a great thing because sometimes when everything is going against you, it feels like, God, are you doing this to me because I did something wrong? Or And we all know better. And if somebody else comes and asks you that, then you can tell them pretty, pretty uh, right off the bat, you know, with, with certainty. It's like, no, no, because God's on your team. And so, uh, you know, it's like, yes, you have you have enemies that have surrounded you, but um, but God, God is going to fight for you. That's what He does. <clears throat> so He says, "They shall gather together, but not by Me. And whosoever shall gather against you shall fall for Thy sake." And, that, and that's grand. It's it's much easier to know that that's true uh, for the brother or sister sitting next to you than it is to know it for you. But that's what's so precious about this word. He's talking about you. Like, did did you shave your head? Did you change your clothes? Then, then this is this is you. And he says, "Behold, I created the smith that blows the coals in the fire and that brings 
forth an instrument for his work, and I've created the waster to destroy. Yes, yes, I have made those things because they do work things in your life. He says, no weapon that is formed against you shall prosper. So if it's just something that's fighting against you to to bring you to destruction, then that that's not this smith that blows the coals in the fire to bring forth an instrument. This That's more the waster to destroy. And God has created him, but not to destroy you. So he says, no weapon that's formed against you shall prosper. And every tongue that shall rise up against you in judgment you shall condemn. Because it's that will happen. You'll have all kinds of accusation. It might come from you. might come from somebody else. Hopefully not. Uh, and if not, then you can count on having an adversary that will, will uh, come and accuse you and try and take away your sense of, uh, of faith that God loves you. That's why I like Martin Luther so much and how he felt like God hated him. And he felt like God would be um, uh, just and pleased to to send him to hell, and and uh, and then when when he really got in his word and found out that God loved him and that that his sense of righteousness before God came from God's righteousness and him simply accepting that by faith, it it changed who he knew God to be. And and I and that's what I love about that because then those voices that would rise up against him in judgment he could condemn them. He'd say, No, that's not God. <clears throat> so I'm gonna read that again. I you know, talking about being in, in God's house, being a part of God's family, uh to me this is a really precious verse. He says, No weapon that's formed against you should prosper, and every tongue that shall rise against you in judgment you shall condemn. This is the heritage of the servants of the Lord, and their righteousness is of me, saith the Lord. So it doesn't get any better than that. So all these great, uh, exceeding great and precious promises, they they belong to us. But uh, but we have to decide that we're going to be part of his kingdom because there's definitely that sense of decision of do I, do I want to be here or do I not? And uh, and so, God's patient, and He knows how to work us around to those places. You know, he's not going to kick you out of the house the first day because you didn't shave your head, you didn't change your clothes yet. But uh, in, in fact, you know, it's you know, He's going to have to bring you that garment, and He's going to have to shave your head. But but you're going to have to consent to it, and and that's that's the thing. Because he's because he wants you to belong to him, and so uh, you know when you when you find this this uh, beautiful young thing that you'd like to have come home and live with you forever, then you you kind of need that consent. Otherwise, uh, I believe they call that kidnapping. So, um, and so so God is looking for that that consent from you, that agreement. From you that that yes, this is indeed what I want. So Jesus, we just thank you for your word to us. We praise you, and we just pray that uh, uh, you would do in us uh, what only you could do. That uh, that your promises would be fulfilled in us. That your word would come to pass in our life. And we thank you for the heritage that is ours. God, this this covering 
that comes from you, this um, garment of righteousness um, that comes from you, God, and to uh, change our address to to be in the city of peace, God, all these things, uh, God, that you have given us, uh, God, are a blessing, God, and we uh, don't ever want to take them for granted that, that you have chosen us for these things. We appreciate all that you've done for us and, and all that you're doing for us. And today we just pray that you would minister to every need and that you would do in this place what only you can do and accomplish exactly what you want to do. God, nothing less than that is our goal. God, simply gathering together for a, a service is not what we're after, God. What we want is for you to meet with us in this place and do what you want to do. In the precious name of Jesus, we pray. Amen.